Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are continuing in our series called Character Sketch, and in this, the eighth installment of our series, we are led by our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, who will be preaching on the loyalty of Ruth. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, Christ Church. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. Thank you that we can be in your house here today. Lord, thank you for the fact that we can celebrate you as we, we did here this morning in worship. Be with us next Sunday night as we have our worship night, as we come together as a, as a body of believers, just worshiping you. We thank you that we can live life together as a body of believers through family fun nights and all the other events happening here, blended and blessed. Lord, thank you for speaking to us in your word. You speak to us mightily. So, Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you that you are our Redeemer. Lord, I pray you speak through me now. I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart. Now you impress upon us this message, this message that you gave to Ruth, her own life. Impress it upon us as well, and that we are just hearers of the word, we'll be doers of it as well. And I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Well, again, good morning. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here. We, uh, as Pastor Jamie alluded to, we're in this series called Character Sketch. We've got all these characters up here starting to, starting to kind of look like an artist studio up here. A lot of different characters we're going through. Some are um, more pleasant looking than others. But uh, nonetheless, we, uh, we're, doing, we're going through them. And it's been fascinating to do so. And this week we look at Ruth, that great story of Ruth. You know, Ruth is one of those stories that I know they had made a movie movie many, many years ago, but if they ever make a new movie, I encourage you to go see it. It would be a powerful movie, because Ruth is just a great story, a story of a, a redeemer, as Jamie already alluded to, a protector. We all, we all know those people in life, the people that protect us, that, that come alongside us and protect us in various situations, that maybe have redeemed us or saved us from something. I have two brother. I have a brother and a sister, uh, older than me. My brother is six years older. My brother Matt, six years older. And uh, when I was a kid, I was that kid that was always kind of tagging along with him. Uh, he probably didn't want me around. In fact, I think that growing up uh, for the first ten years of my life, I thought my name was Leave Me Alone. And uh, he, but I, I had to share a room with him, and he didn't like that either. Uh, he went off to college though, so I got my room for six years by myself, which is good for me. But. Uh, you know, he was that guy that, you know, I didn't, he didn't hang out with me a whole lot. We had a great relationship. We still do. <clears throat> Talk to him often. But he was the guy that he, you know, he wouldn't be the guy that I would think would be a protector of, although he was a big older brother. While we didn't hang out a whole lot, I do remember one story of him really protecting me. I remember him being my real, real big brother, helping me in this situation. We were, I grew up in New Jersey, we were at Ocean City, and I remember I was in seventh grade, I think he had just gone off to college, and we were there in Ocean City, and uh, we were playing in the ocean, and uh, my brother Matt, his friends were there too, and I was there with my friends, and as you normally do, you kind of pick on the little kid. Now, uh, I weigh a little bit less than, than I do now, so I'd like to try them, I'd like to see them do this now, but they were picking on me, they were picking me up and throwing me in the ocean, right, his, my brother's friends, and they kept picking me up and throwing me in the ocean. And I remember, if you've ever been in the ocean, the waves are crashing, and you start to kind of take in the water, you're getting a little panicky, okay? And I remember it was Dave and, and Dana, if you're listening, Dave and Dana. Uh, I'd like to go back to Ocean City and see what you think now. Uh, but they were throwing me in the ocean, and uh, I remember getting real panicky. And the more I panicked, the more they laughed and threw me in the ocean. They were laughing, I was not laughing. In fact, I was getting really kind of terrified that I was not going to make, uh, make it out of the situation, because I couldn't catch my breath. And I remember looking up and I see my brother on the beach and my brother Matt ran out toward me. I remember that so clearly. He ran out right to me and he pushed his friends out of the way. He grabbed me, picked me up, and then he brought me back to the beach. 
I'd love to say that the rest of the story is that Matt and I hung out the rest of the weekend there in Ocean City. No. But he was my protector. You may say he's my kinsman redeemer. That's what we, you may have heard that, uh, that term when you think about Ruth. There's a kinsman redeemer. The story of Ruth is a powerful story because she was in need of a protector, a savior. God provided one and we see that picture being of Jesus Christ as we look ahead at who Jesus was. The redeemer, a family member who comes and protects, who provides. It's a wonderful story. In fact, we, I showed this graphic a few um, weeks ago. Where does Ruth fall into all these characters? I think it's helpful to know. Some of you do know, but as I showed you this before, the Old Testament timeline, creation, as you see there, we were talking about Noah um, many, many weeks ago, the universal history there. Call of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then they get uh, uh, caught up with the Egyptians, and then they're in Exodus. That's where Moses comes in 1446, and God brings them out of the wilderness, and then they go into the... the they go and conquer the land, the promised land. That's the conquest of Joshua. We looked at Joshua here uh, a few weeks ago. And those are the books that are kind of lay it out. And then there's the, the period of the judges. We've been talking about the period of the judges for a few weeks. That they, they were now in the promised land. They had, they had the land and Israel there. And there's a period of judges. God provides judges who are um, not judging them, but like overseers and rulers. And a bunch of different people. Deborah's one of them. Gideon is another one of them. And Samuel, we looked at last week. Samuel's another one of the judges. And so there's 12 judges. Ruth falls in right here. Right at the period of the Judges. It's important that you recognize this because it also goes on the next slide. We talk about what happens next. What happens next is after the period of the Judges, Samuel elects a king for Samuel 8. Solomon, the period of the kings, right? Or excuse me, Saul, period of the kings. And then Samuel elects David as a king. Well, who's David? Why is it related to Ruth? David and Ruth are related. Ruth is David's great-grandmother. That's how we pick up Ruth in the story of the Old Testament. Then you have Solomon. And then you have a bad king come, King Jeroboam, who did evil in the sight of the Lord. Do not name your kid Jeroboam if you have the chance. That's not a good name. They split the northern kingdom and southern kingdoms, right? Northern kingdom gets uh, conquered by the Assyrians. Next week we're going to look at Elijah. Elijah goes in the northern kingdom. He's there and he's, you're going to see this great battle happen. Elijah's there in the northern kingdom. Then you have the southern kingdom. They last over a little bit longer. They're eventually taken over by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, and then there's a post-exile. But Ruth, Ruth happens in the period of the judges. But Ruth is in the line of David. David is in the line of Jesus. That's where we come to Ruth. But we don't talk about Ruth just because she's in the line of Jesus. We talk about Ruth because there's a loyalty of Ruth. We learn a lot from the life of Ruth. It is a fascinating story. One of those, those movies that you would go and say, wow, what a cool story. Story of Ruth. We already had it here. If you have your Bibles, we're in Ruth 1. Amazing story. There's a famine going on, right? It says in the period of the judges ruled. Period of the judges ruled. And there's, a, there's a famine, okay? And so this Man, Elimelech, marries this woman named Naomi. Naomi, they're really from Bethlehem, and they go to Moab. Moab is a place on the other side, and they go there, and they live there, and they have two sons, right? Two sons, Malon and Kilion. Jamie just read it for us. And they marry two wives, Orpah and Ruth, okay? So you have this whole family. Then what happens is Elimelech dies, right? So now Naomi does not have a husband, and then her two sons die. And now she's left with her, with her daughter-in-laws. One mother, daughter-in-law, all widowed. And she tells them, she says, listen, go back home. Go back home. Go back home to your people. The place you've been living. But 
Ruth doesn't go. She stays loyal to Naomi. And in verse 16, as we just read, Naomi says that great verse. She says, don't urge me to leave or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. There's a loyalty there of Ruth. Ruth says, listen, I'm not going to leave you, Naomi, even though times are tough. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to go back. And so what they do is they're in Moab, and they realize that there's food back in Bethlehem. So they make this journey. Now, to show you what this looks like, it's a little map. You may say, where's Moab? Where's Bethlehem? There's Moab. Moab is on the east side of the Dead Sea. Okay, they got to go around the Dead Sea to get to Bethlehem on the west side, the west bank, right? Bethlehem, right there on the left. Okay, so they got to travel this land. They're going from Moab to Bethlehem. Two women, both widowed, going through this land. You think, well, that looks like a nice walk, huh? It's all lush and green, a lot of blues. I bet it's beautiful. Nope, I've been there. This is what it looks like: total deadness, absolutely nothing, right? That's why they call it the Dead Sea, folks. The Dead Sea. There is nothing living there. In fact, when I was there, I noticed there's, not, there's no trees, there's no shrubbery, and there's no birds flying around either because nothing could live out there. Nothing. Now, that journey, going from Moab to Bethlehem, 50 miles on foot, two women, it's going to take them seven to ten days. Now you have a picture. You have a picture of two women in need of a guardian redeemer. Two women in need of a guardian redeemer. And that's the first point. Because they're going through this land. They have no food. They have no land. They have no husbands. No way to protect themselves. No way to provide for themselves. This is a desperate time. I mean, you talk about very little hope. There is no hope out there of anything ever living. There is no hope for these women. It's a, it's a desolate place. It's a desolate picture. Some of you are living in that kind of world right now. You may not be in a famine, but you may think, man, this is a pretty tough life I'm living. There's not much hope. And I've got to go all the way, and I got, like these two women got to go all the way to Bethlehem. They don't know what's going to even happen there. Some of you are going, you know what, I'm just going to keep going. I don't know if we're going to make this. I've got to have this job that's terrible. I've got a family life that's a mess. I've got this health problem that's going on. I am in desperate need of a guardian redeemer. These two women were in desperate need of a guardian redeemer. It's a picture of, of absolute desolation and isolation for these women. Some of you are living that here today. Naomi and Ruth. In fact, when you look at Naomi's name, it means pleasant. But somewhere along the journey, Naomi's not so pleasant anymore. In fact, we read in, in Ruth 1.20 this. She gets there. People call her Naomi. She says, don't call me Naomi. She told them. She says, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So she goes from pleasant to bitter in a matter of moments. I can't blame her. Would you blame her? I mean, listen, she lost her husband. She lost her sons. Now she doesn't have any food, any water, any, any possessions, any land. And she's traveling this land with her daughter-in-law. She's got to now take care of her. Would you, would you pick on Naomi for that? Saying, oh man, you, you changed your name. Would you blame her? No. I wouldn't blame her. From pleasant to bitter. There's people that are pretty bitter in life right now. You may be bitter about your job. You may be bitter about your circumstances. You look at people around you. You look on social media. You look on TV and you go, I'm not living the way they are living. This is not how I planned my life. This is not what I planned. Some of you woke up this morning and thought that. This is not what I planned. 
Naomi on that walk must have thought, this is not what I had in mind. She got very bitter. Jamie talked about a, some folks that passed away here this week. It's a, been a tough week for us. I remember performing this funeral on Monday for a gentleman who died tragically. And after the funeral, I remember being out in the commons, and there was a lot of emotion. A lot of tears, a lot of sadness, but there was a lot of bitterness. In fact, I remember going up to a gentleman who was very, very upset, and I put my arm around him, I gave him a hug, I said, you know, we're praying for you, and I said, uh, you know, Lord's got a plan. He said, don't talk to me about the Lord. I'm not happy with him right now. Because he took my good friend away. It's bitterness. So we prayed for a while. He said, what do I say to other people who, who may need to come to church? How do I tell them? Because I'm bitter at God. I'm bitter at the circumstances. I'm bitter at life. I said, this life isn't easy, is it? But God's got a plan. That's why he sent his son as a redeemer. These people were in need of a, a redeemer. Naomi went from pleasant to bitter pretty quickly. In need of a miracle. And then a miracle showed up. The miracle happened in the example of a guy named Boaz. The example of a guardian redeemer. Ruth 2 goes on to say this. It says, Naomi had a relative on the husband's side, a man standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. So there's Ruth. Good for Ruth, right? Some of us, like Naomi, are bitter. It's tough to even get out of bed. But Ruth, Ruth goes, she goes, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do something in life. I'm going to get up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make something of this life. I'm not just going to sit around and, and, and lick my wounds. I'm going to get up. She put herself in a position to be blessed. She got out and did something. There's many people in life who are so bitter and depressed that they can't even get off the couch. They barely can come to church in the morning. Listen, I can tell you right now, some of you just need to get up and get out. And put yourself in a position where you can be blessed as well. That's what Ruth did. She gets up and, and goes out. And then, great, this is where it gets good. So she's out picking grain, and Boaz is there, right? And Boaz looks over in, in verse 5 and says, who, who does that, Who's that woman? Right? This is great. Right? She's out there picking grain, and Boaz, I could just see him, he goes... You know, he's out there doing work. He goes, whoa, hey, where'd she come from, huh? I would like to think that my wife said that about me, but that, that did not happen. Uh, I said that about Deb. I said, whoa, where'd she come from? Hello. Right? Boaz down there, he recognizes, he sees her, and he says, hey, listen, okay, here's the deal. He goes on to say in Ruth 2.8, this is, this is where the story picks up. He says, so Boaz says, Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean another field. Don't go away from here. Stay here with the women. Work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I told the, the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, get, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Have filled. Good for Boaz, huh? Using resources. Hey, you know what? Why don't you stay here and work for me? I'll pay you. That's good. Any food you need, any water you need. In fact, I told the other guys not to harm you. I bet he told the other guys not to talk to you either, but nonetheless, they're not going to harm you, huh? It's a good love story. Right? 
Boaz was everything that Ruth and Naomi weren't. Boaz had land. He had money. He had power. He had workers. He had everything that he needed. Naomi and Ruth had nothing. They had no food, no land, no people to work for. They have no food, nothing. They have absolutely nothing. Boaz was everything they weren't. And he provides protection for them. He says, listen, Ruth, don't worry about protection. The men aren't going to harm you. He says, I'm going to also provide food for you. Don't worry about food. I got that covered too. Don't worry about water. I'm, I, I got you covered there. It's all good. So Ruth is excited now, right? I would be too. There's this guy. And I can imagine her going home and telling Naomi, right? Hey, there's this, there's this guy, right? And uh, he likes me. And... Uh, he wrote me a note. No. Uh, do you like me? Circle yes, no, maybe. No. One of those deals. She goes home and tells Ruth, right? She goes home and tells Naomi, right? She says, hey, Naomi, there's this, this, this guy. His name's Boaz. And Naomi realizes real quick, hey, you know what? She says in Ruth 2.20, she says this. She added, that man is our closest relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. He's a guardian redeemer. He's, he's there to, he's, there's the miracle. The guardian redeemer was this. This was, a, this was a law back in the Old Testament. It was an Old Testament law that when someone dies, if the man dies, that the land, if he didn't have sons, would go to the nearest relative. The nearest relative, if he didn't have sons. And so it wouldn't go to the wife, it would go to the nearest relative. That meant the wife, the spouse, was now widowed, just like Naomi was. Now, the, the law was is that the, whoever the man was, that kinsman redeemer, he now needs to come and either marry the woman or protect her for life. That's the law. That's the law of the kinsman redeemer, the guardian protector. So this is where it gets really good. So Naomi gets his plan. She goes, okay. Now, if you're, this is the part of the story that it's like watching the movie with your kids and it gets a little steamy and you kind of cover their eyes a little bit like this, Right? Ruth 3 goes on to say this. She goes, she goes to, um, Naomi says to Ruth this. She says, wash, put on a perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, then, then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know that you're there until you have finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Now, gentlemen, this is a custom in the Old Testament, okay? It would not work today, all right? <laughs> I once told my wife, you should wash and lay at my feet. It didn't go well. It does not go well. Right? The custom is this. The custom is you lay at someone's feet because it's a symbol of humility. Right? It's a symbol of humility. You put yourself in a place of humility saying, hey, listen, I am in need of a, a redeemer, a protector. This was a symbol of loyalty. So Boaz wakes up and he's startled. I bet, I bet you he is startled. And he says this in verse 9. He says, who are you? He asked, I'm your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me so you are, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. When you look at Ruth, I want you to see a picture of absolute loyalty. She put herself loyal at the, the feet of Boaz saying, hey, listen, I can't fix this on my own. I am in need of a redeemer. I am in need of a guardian. Would you please be that guardian redeemer? And what they would do is they would put the blanket over them as a symbol that they're going to protect them forever. Ruth was not only loyal to Boaz, she was loyal to, loyal to Naomi as well, saying, listen, I'm not going to leave you. She was also loyal to God. She said, listen, your God is going to be my God. That's a picture of loyalty. It's a picture of humbleness of Ruth saying, listen, I can't get out of this on my own. So Boaz comes and he 
puts his garment over her, and there's he wants to marry her. And there's but there's one small problem. There's a technicality. What he finds out is there's actually somebody closer, a closer family member that technically is the kinsman redeemer. But he wants to marry her, right? So he gathers the leaders. I can only imagine, if you're picturing this in your mind, it's like a movie. He gathers the community leaders, and that's where he's, he's like proclaiming his love to her. He said, listen, there, there's, there's another kinsman redeemer. If he wants to marry her, he needs to buy all this land, and the women's got to go first. The women got to go with him as well. They got, they got to go with him in this whole deal. So he gathers all these people, and he's it's like proclaiming his love. And the kinsman redeemer, the closer relative, backs out of it. And so Boaz moves in. He says, yes. I got my girl. So Boaz and Ruth get married. Naomi now has a home and protection. Ruth has a home and protection. She's got a husband. They have a son. The son's name is Obed. Obed's then has a son named Jesse. Jesse has a son named David. So David has a great-grandmother, and now Jesus has an, a new name for us. He's the true guardian redeemer. Because Jesus is the, it's the picture of what Boaz was to Ruth. Boaz saw Ruth from a distance. And Jesus sees you from a distance. Like my brother Matt saw me from a distance in need of help. Boaz saw Ruth from a distance. And he looked at Ruth just like Jesus looks at you. Boaz was affluent. He had everything. Jesus owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has everything. Boaz spoke kindly to her. Jesus speaks kindly to you. Boaz commands his people to leave Ruth alone. Jesus commands his de- uh, Satan and Satan's demons to leave you alone. Boaz gave Ruth bread and water. Jesus gives us the bread of life. Boaz represented Ruth in front of the community leaders. Jesus represents us in the community of heaven. Because of Boaz, Naomi went from bitter to blessed. Because of Jesus, we can go from bitter to blessed as well. He's the picture of the true guardian redeemer. There's only one requirement. The one requirement is, is we've got to come to his feet and ask him humbly to protect us. It's exactly what Ruth did. She wasn't going to sit around and wait for Boaz to come to her. No, she had to go to him and say, hey, listen, I can't do this on my own. I, I put myself at your feet. I need your covering. I need your protection over me. That's what Ruth did. That's what we need to do as well. Listen, this life is not easy. A lot of people try to fix it on their own. We think, you know what, this is a tough situation. I don't like my job. I don't like my marriage. I don't like my family. I don't like the health that I have. We think we can fix it on our own. Ruth didn't know. Ruth didn't, knew she couldn't fix it on her own. I'm telling you right now, you can't fix this on your own. You need a true guardian redeemer, someone who loves you, someone who sees you sitting there in need of help. And that's what Jesus is. He came to earth to die for you because you couldn't do it on your own. There's no way you could have paid for the sin that you have. And Jesus came to redeem you so that you can be in heaven with him. It's a true guardian redeemer. So Psalm 46, one says, God's a refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Psalm 5.11, David must have known the stories of his great-grandmother. And that's why he says, maybe, but, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for your joy. Spread your protection over them. That those who love your name may rejoice in you. David must have known that story from his great-grandmother, that he was the ultimate guardian, the ultimate protector. I went with the wife of the gentleman who died over the funeral home this past week to see the body. It's a tough situation. I remember sitting in the car with her, and 
I asked her what she's going to remember about her late husband. She was telling me all kinds of stories. And she was talking about her grandson. Grandson lived in, in the house as well with her grandfather. And she said, you know, one thing he's going to miss is he always looked at his grandfather as his guardian protector. And he's going to miss that. And I remember thinking, you know, he's going to miss that here in this earth, but know that our guardian redeemer lives in heaven. That's why he not only died for us, but he rose again. And he loves us. That's why we take strength in him and ever-present help in time of trouble, because he's alive and loves us. Just like he loves you. Just like he sees you going through trouble in life. You know, my brother and I and my sister went to a small church growing up, and we would sing all kinds of songs and hymns and... We sang a song that kept coming into my head this week, and I'm going to ask Brad to come sing it for us here in a moment. It's a powerful song, but when I sang it as a kid, I really didn't think anything about it. It's one of those things you just sing. If you're a young person here, you sing songs here that we, we sing. They have true meaning, and this one came to me real hard this week because I realized after looking at the story of Ruth, living life gets harder that this song is really powerful. So I'm going to ask Brad to sing it. I don't have to sing along. Just listen to the words of that song. Hear the words of that song. Because it talks about who Jesus really is. And it's called, There is a Redeemer. thing to be able to see a redeemer here in this life because Boaz came. Some of us are going to live life in 
it's going to be hard, difficult. But we're going to get to heaven just like that song sings. And we're going to stand face to face when I stand in glory. I see his face. I'll serve my king forever in that holy place. Why? Because he's the redeemer. He's the one that gives us hope and joy in this life, doesn't he? And no matter how bad it gets, he loves us. He sees you where you are like that kid in the ocean. And he's going to save you. That's why he sent his son. That's why God loves you. He sent his son as a redeemer. Because we couldn't pay that penalty on our own. The sin that we had separates us from God forever. And there's no hope. We walk around in desolation. There's no hope. But when we know who Jesus is, the fact that he loves us and he came to die for us, he redeems us. That gives us hope in this life and the life beyond. That's why Philippians 1 says, Be confident of this, that that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what that means? That means that God's not finished with you. Just like he wasn't finished with Ruth and Naomi on the way on their journey, he's not finished with you either. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He sees you like the kid in the ocean in need of help. He says, I love you. I'm coming for you. We just need to put ourselves at his feet and say, listen, Jesus, I need you as my protector, my redeemer. Why? Because he is our ultimate, ultimate guardian redeemer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that we can sing that song with confidence, knowing that you are our guardian redeemer. Lord, I pray that you be with those folks in here, Lord, are suffering in so many different ways. Some of us are bitter or angry, frustrated in life. Lord, we just need to put ourselves at your feet. Realize we can't change this life on our own. You come, you care for us, you love us. So help us to put us at, place us at your feet, Lord. Help us to come humbly before you, asking you to protect us. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've never asked the Lord to be have a relationship with him. You've never come to a place of humility. It's as simple as praying the prayer, saying, Dear Lord Jesus, I understand I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I need you to come into my life. I need you to save me from my sin. Save me from this life. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for seeing us from a distance in need of help. Lord, help us to have that joy as we walk out of here, knowing that you are our true and ultimate redeemer. And I ask this all in your precious name. Amen.